Well, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to have you both here. It's welcome to all who are here specifically for the baptism, but also just all of you. And welcome, Zoomies. It's lovely to have you with us as well. My name is Liz, and I'm one of the pastors here. And it's very good to um, gather. And one of the things which is delightful when we gather is having the kids. They're at the back. They can come forward later if they want to. But um, and kids, if any of you are listening to me, which you're very welcome to do, you might like to think about um, the questions you like to ask. Now, one of the things I love about the Bible is that there are lots and lots of questions in the Bible, including both God and Jesus asking questions at different times. In fact, one of the first conversations, or the first conversation in Scripture between God and Adam and Eve starts with a question when God says, where are you? And it's a pretty straightforward question. It's, it's one of those questions which... I mean, I guess God, well, no, I don't guess. I know God knew the answer to the question, but um, it, was, it was just a little kind of like communication. And one of the purposes of that question was to help Adam and Eve begin to think through their response and why they weren't visible. So you can read that story. And so some questions we ask for ourselves and some questions we ask because we want the other person to think about their response. And some questions are really easy and simple, and some questions are really deep and difficult. Like Jesus on the cross, crawling out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A very difficult question. And so even, even now as I'm asking about questions, I'd encourage all of you to be thinking about what are the questions that you are wrestling with at the moment? And kids, if you've got questions, you might like to kind of make a note of them and think about them and come and ask me or Amy or Josie or your parents later. So two weeks ago, we had a very special service where all our kids processed forward with all our candles and we blessed them. And people, all of you from the congregation brought your candles as well. And we were remembering the day when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple as a 40-day-old baby, brought him to the temple to be blessed by Simeon and Anna. And in a little while, Ben, ben and Jenny are going to bring baby Fletcher up to the front here. And we will all pray a prayer of blessing over Fletcher, even as he is baptized. We baptize babies as a sign and a seal, formally welcoming them into our community of faith so that Fletcher will be raised as a Christian. Little Fletcher doesn't believe anything very much right now, except that he hopes that the next meal is coming soon and, and he, he knows that there's a dog who kind of competes for a bit of affection in the family with him. He, he doesn't have any questions or doubts. He doesn't bring anything apart from a burgeoning curiosity about life a healthy appetite, and probably a good set of lungs. And Fletcher matters so much to all of us, not just to Ben and Jenny, but to each one of us in this community, to the extent that each one of us will in a little while make promises to be with him and to be alongside him as he grows up, as he begins to ask lots and lots of questions. And generally, that is one of the things that we delight about kids, is that they do ask questions. And asking questions is so vital for our own personal growth and development as humans and as Christians. Permission to ask questions allows us to develop critical thinking. It allows us to untangle right from wrong. It fosters our curiosity and creativity. 
and it allows us to check if things are safe or appropriate. I guess all of us have seen something in the news recently as we've watched questions being asked of people like Derek Chauvin or Ghislaine Maxwell. We've watched as prosecutors have sought truth by detailed and careful questioning. Prince Andrew might have just escaped some questions being asked about him. Good questions help us to distinguish truth from lies. And good questions should help to lead us into life and into more truth. So are there any questions we shouldn't ask? Well, I don't know if there are, but I, I always, I can't, uh, this is my favorite book, The Horse and His Boy, and I've quoted from it so often, but there's, whenever I think about questions, there's a particular passage which I love in this, towards the end, where Shasta encounters Aslan for the first time as for a conversation. And he asks him a whole ton of questions. And if I had more time, I'd read a whole lot of this because it's really good. But, but go and find about page 130 and read it all later. But there's a moment when he asks Aslan, was it you who wounded Aravis, the girl who's been traveling with him? Aslan replies, it was I. And then Shasta says, but what for? Child, said the voice, I am telling you your story, not hers. I tell no one any story but his own. Then Shasta asks a good question. He says, who are you? Myself, said the voice, very deep and low, so that the earth shook. And again, myself, loud and clear and gay. And then the third time, myself, whispered so softly you could hardly hear it. And yet it seemed to come from all around you as the leaves rustled with it. So Shasta asked a question which he was told, that's none of your business. But then he asked a question which penetrated the very deepness and depth of who God is. Aslan tells Shasta that it's not for him to be told the story of another. There are matters which are private or between a person and God. And as I was thinking of other questions which got to know, I thought of the story. There's a story in um, Matthew 20, chapter 20 where... Um, the mother of James and John goes and asks Jesus for extra privileges for her sons. And he quite firmly puts her down. Again, another story you can read in the New Testament about asking questions. But even these questions, which maybe get a no from Jesus, can were answered with gentleness. And the answer to questions can be no. Or that is a, the answer is not for you to know. But generally, the restriction of questions points to fear or a need to control. It is authoritarian states which restrict the ability of people to ask questions. It is institutions which are hiding injustice or corruption which fear the questions of the auditors. And within the church, it can be fear of corruption of orthodoxy that being undermined, that can make questions be frowned upon. And so in order to combat the tendency we have to fear questions, it can be helpful to learn to ask questions in an appropriate and gentle way. To ask questions with humility and honesty. And so we come to that reading today about the story of Thomas. And oh, I love the story so much. I have no idea why it turned up in the lectionary today other than to just give me a moment to talk about it because it's such a sweet story. Because I love the way that Thomas, at the beginning of this, well, in the middle of that passage we heard, is with his friends, the other disciples. 
They have all met the resurrected Christ and they are full of it, I'm sure. I'm sure that they've told him over and over again, yes, he has risen. Yes, it is true. I'm sure that he listened and heard, but yet he doubted. He had questions. He didn't hide his confusion or pretend he believed. Even as he pondered all he was told, the others accepted him. They allowed him to be there. And Thomas had known Jesus as a friend and as a mentor, and he had been his disciple. And didn't you love the way last week Amy described disciples as what those not chosen for their phenomenal gifting, but chosen to be people along the way with Jesus. And so Thomas hadn't been chosen, I don't think, because of his profound learning or depth of theological insight. Instead, we see him here as a young man refusing to accept the belief of the truth of the resurrection until he has some proof. And so in one sense, the other disciples carry Thomas and all his lack of certainty. They don't silence him. They don't put him out. He was just Thomas, and they loved him, and he was there. And so as you, we look around in our community today, perhaps there are things that you are curious about or scared about or uncertain about. Perhaps you'd love to ask a question but feel that it would be too small or wrong or inappropriate or show you up to be ignorant or misinformed or too left or too right or too rich or too poor or too liberal or too conservative. But gosh, we so want this to be a space to ask questions The world is becoming increasingly fragmented and we long to be a community which can hold together intention, difference, and to hold together the questions. Because the good news is, is that God is big enough. He is glorious to know that he is not someone who's going to be alarmed by our questions, even if we are too small or nervous or scared. God is big enough to hold space for our doubts and fears. He's big enough to not be alarmed by our insecurities. And so we need to trust him to not be afraid ourselves because Jesus delights in answering Thomas's lack of faith. He simply reaches out his hands and says, come feel, touch, stick your hand in my side. Can you imagine? It's totally okay, Thomas. Bring yourself and who you are and experience this truth of my resurrection in a way which makes sense to you. And there's something at the moment about these words that get thrown around at the moment, like deconstruction and dialogues and all these things which people are wrestling with. And it takes me back. I think sometimes language changes, but it reminds me of when I was at university. And when I began to first really question my faith, I'd grown up in a Christian household. My dad was a pastor, my grandfather was, you know, everyone were missionaries, whatever. And it was so good to get to university and to begin to ask questions and to say, what is this? Do I believe it? Who is God? So I love our deconstruction dialogue small group that is allowing people who are both within and outside our community to come together and say what they do and don't believe and why and to ask questions. And that's okay. And I love having coffee or walking or talking with people who are eager eager to ask questions about their faith, especially perhaps when you have grown up in the church and you've accepted all these things and then you need to work out, what do I think? How am I going to 
put this together in my brain. And really, that's an area which I hope that we will continue to grow in as a church community at Incarnation here, that we will always have space for people who just come in and sit on seats who say they're not sure what they believe, to come in and say that they're wrestling with significant doubt, to come in and say that they are brokenhearted and don't know where to find comfort, to come in and say that they're captive to habits or ways of thinking or negative thought patterns. Because ultimately, this is what we want as a community. We want to have more people in our midst who are longing for shackles to be taken off their minds or hearts. And so we need to be ready to accommodate and to welcome trauma into our midst, to remember that we are all image bearers. Listen again to our reading from Isaiah earlier. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. None of us has yet, as far as I'm aware, attained perfect knowledge and understanding. And there are so many things which I know I am learning all the time. I continue to bring my rather ignorant South African self into the whole race dialogue in this country and to try and learn more and more about it. I am ignorant and confused about things about myself and about our, our community, about people I meet, and also about God. And so I am loving our small group this trimester, which is wrestling with a really hard book. Uh, what's it called? Um, something of the Trinity. It's okay, my brain's not working. But it's hard, and it's hard to grapple with the Trinity. Goodness me, it's hard to grapple with the Trinity. But it's so good to do it in a community where week by week, different ones of us come and go, okay, we didn't get that chapter at all. Can we just go right back to the beginning? Megan and Emma are sitting there nodding. They're in the small group. It's, it's so good to wrestle with this book written by Richard of Victor like so long ago, to have a safe space to begin to ask questions, to stretch in our understanding of who God is. And so my reminder to us today is that the church needs to be a place where we don't fear questions, where we never legislate against them, where we are able to trust that God is big enough to hold everyone in his hands and to accommodate our doubts and to offer his side for us to put our hand into the bloody mess. You may know that you're saved by grace, and that is true. We don't earn God's love. We don't get rated on our actions. But let's hear the next part of that invitation. It goes on in Isaiah when he's been saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. The Holy Spirit is here with us today and he's with you on Zoom. And it's an opportunity so that we can invite people to be clothed in garlands, to become oaks of righteousness, so that we can all display the glory of the Lord. And so I'm going to invite you now, we're going to take a moment to pray, to just think about the questions which you have, or think about the questions you've heard from others in our community, or think about the questions that your neighbor might be wrestling with. To take time to say, God, will you help me to walk with this person in their questioning? 
Will you help me to understand the things that I don't yet get? Will you help us to be a community where we can walk with each other as we all deepen our roots and become firmer, bigger oaks of righteousness, displaying God's glory? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, that's such a beautiful image. And having been walking in the woods yesterday, looking at trees with deep, deep roots, we long to be oaks of righteousness, the sense of being sturdy and able to stand when the wind blows, to have leaves that rustle, to not fear the storm when it comes. And Lord, will you help us to be people who accommodate and allow and give space to Thomases who need to put their hands into the side of Jesus? Holy Spirit, will you give us wisdom about when to leave space for your gift and anointing, your ability to comfort and release and restore? And may we leave space for doubt and fear to be safely expressed in our midst. Thank you that you are big enough and that you love us so deeply. Amen.